0: Plus.
1: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And it's worth reading about that man there. So invented to my needs for rest. The numbers reveal why...
2: Welcome, this is your um, Managing Madrid podcast bonus episode. your host, Gabe Ledger. I'm joined by my buddy, Jess Howen. Jess, hey, how's it going? you are on your way to uh, to a Rapids game right now. You're calling from your car. That's how much you care about what we're about to talk about.
1: That is correct. I'm hoping we don't get beat too bad by LAFC. Um,
2: they're, kind
1: of, they're kind of amazing this year.
2: So I mean, they have slapped hands, so... I mean, we. Oh uh, do- no,
1: that's
2: the galaxy. Oh, you're right. They, Shit. They have Carlos I, Vela. I'm working. I'm working on my MLS. I promise everybody. Um, but <laughs> we're not here to talk about MLS. We're not talking about MLS. We are previewing for our wonderful managing Madrid listenership, the fact that we, you and I, and and maybe a couple other people are going to be beginning a Real Madrid, women's, podcast. Like it'll be part of the MM podcast group, obviously, but. This yep. will be uh, uh, this will be our show, and we're going to cover the women's team. I mean, uh, week in, week out, or at least biweekly. That's some of the idea. Um, but you know, before that, we should talk about I think probably the bigger story in women's game right now, which was what I thought was an incredible match today: USA oh, yeah. taking on France, winning two to one in the Parc de Princes in Paris. Incredible game. Um, US scored. Uh, In the first five minutes, um, and then really, and I think one of the interesting things about this match, so Megan Rapinoe uh, had an incredible, I mean, frankly, that free kick was incredibly well designed, and I'm not even a huge fan of Jill Ellis, um, personally, I don't think she's that great a coach. (laughs) Um, You're
1: definitely not alone in in that uh, line of thought.
2: (laughs) <laughs> uh, but the goal was actually really well executed, I think, tactically. Yeah. So yeah. it was like a low driven ball towards the front, fr- towards the near post. And I think it was Julie Ertz who just kind of let it pass through and that totally caught the goalkeeper off uh, off kilter and the ball trickled in through the back past a bunch of people. And it was actually a really brilliantly executed set play. What I think was really interesting. I wanted to talk to you about was this is a U.S. team that I think traditionally we've seen them have the ball a lot more. Like they're a team that likes to have the ball and, 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 and I mean, they do play very direct game, right. but they tend to be a team that has a lot of possession, a lot of shots are creating a lot of opportunities. Ellis went into this match playing a uh, essentially a 5-4-1 and ceded possession to France. Yeah. For yeah tra- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just interested in your your thoughts. I mean, like I'm looking at these stats and we saw and they they kind of bear this out. France had 61% possession. Yeah. Well, uh, so, I mean possession
1: percentage is always interested to me. It's interesting to me, but it's never at the same time, it's, it's less about how long you've had it had the ball, and more about what you do with the time you have. Um, right. And I, the comments are well, they made some kind of remark about that too, about how France had more possession, but at the same time they wanted the team to not have the ball as much. Right. I can't remember what all
2: what else she was saying about that. Well, I mean, it's it, it, what seemed very clear was that. The U.S. had come out in this posture of we're going to defend and kind of create a, uh, I mean, we're going to give France the ball in a, in, in a way that makes them uncomfortable. And I think the French had kind of assumed that the U.S. would come out to kind of dominate the game and dictate the tempo. And by ceding possession of the way they did It kind of put the onus on France, especially after that early goal, to kind of go at the U.S., which opened up a lot of lines behind the French attack, or behind the French defense. That being said, I actually thought the U.S. looked really good in defense also, especially that nervy kind of period towards the end of the match, you know, after that, uh, after France scored their kind of come-from-behind goal, uh, uh, in minute eighty-one, and it really did look like France was going to kind of pounce back and maybe get back into the game. Right. But well, the U.S. Of defense really like
1: Yeah,
2: and she is so good. Um,
1: she oh she's oh I I love several like of the French players. Like if the U.S. hadn't gotten this far, like they would have been my next team to root for. Would have been France, um, just because of you know um, Katie Diani's. Pierce and Wendy Renard and all of, you know, I'm Les Homer. They're
2: just fun to watch. I really wanted to talk about Katie Diani, who, and I want to talk about Wendy Renard first, because I think there's a really interesting comparison with her and a Real Madrid player. Um, I think she reminds me a huge amount of Rafael Varane. And not just because they're both French, (laughs) but because they're both very good in the air and have this really imposing presence on set pieces. Uh, so she, and so she had an incredibly, and she actually led the French team in scoring during the cup. Uh, she, I mean, she's six foot one, uh, but also is very talented with the ball at her feet. I think she's an incredibly talented player. Oh, I mean, yeah. and when I'm thinking about why, I mean, when I'm watching these games, I don't know about you, because I know that, that, and I want to transition a little bit because what I, when I'm looking at these games, I'm watching in terms of, well, now Real Madrid has a team, who would, right. kind of, uh, who would be a good kind of – who would be a good access to build around if you're de- if you're designing a kind of super team? Because that's – Oh, my gosh. Right? Let's be clear. That's what Real Madrid is going to do, right? We're, I mean, this is Madrid. Oh, yeah. They're not going to screw around. Like, maybe it'll take a year or so, but eventually they're going to go out and get the best players in the world. And Renard seems yeah, to me to be such a no-brainer. Oh, yeah.
1: I oh my gosh I would pick her in a heartbeat
2: if she, if we can get her away from um, um Lyonnais, I think it's who she plays for yeah um, the old, we by the way the team. the current um, Champions League holders arguably the best team in the world but you know we're Real Madrid we've got we're still Real Madrid <laughs> right
1: there there is still that prestige that comes with
2: the uh, the crest right, right. exactly um. So. I also wanted to talk a little bit about probably the most interesting matchup of the game, which was uh, Katie Diani versus Crystal Dunn, um, the uh, American left back. Crystal Dunn,
1: just, she owned it. I mean, she she's another favorite. But then again, I, I'm heavily biased toward the American team over the French team. So, I mean, you got to take that
2: as <laughs> a Well, I think uh, what... I think what we see with with Dunn um, and the way that, that kind of the U.S. relies on Dunn is it reminds me a lot of kind of early maybe Roberto Carlos with Real Madrid where you have this player who's an incredible, like really powerfully quick, very fast, right? right? And she really likes to get forward and she relies on that speed to get back in transition and uh, – and prevent kind of catastrophic defending. The problem is that it is kind of catastrophic defending. <laughs> it's last-second yeah. tackles. It's like there's a huge amount of space, and you always feel like, oh, shit, <laughs> oh, oh, no, right? Like she's uh, – uh, there's all this space behind her, and, and and all they need is one ball. But she's so fast that she can get back in time, and France right. failed to capitalize on it, despite the fact that I think Diani, who is her direct counterpart, right, the France um, – Right attacking, uh, uh, right attacking, mid slash forward, uh, right. had a great game.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah she did. So it was right. a fascinating little like inter uh, interchange of uh, uh, of styles there. And Ellis, I think, and I don't know about, I don't know what your kind of okay. opinion of this strategy is, but Ellis really likes to play done very centrally. And I'm not, I'm not sure personally, I mean, like it is obviously taking a lot of advantage of her speed, but it strikes me that, you know, (laughs) you're going to get burned eventually if you have your left back playing essentially as a center back.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that's something we've seen, you know, all season long in the Rapids, at least during the losing streak, was watching players who are supposed to be on the outside that are trying to cover for center backs who are not doing their job. And it's...
2: And you're right, you get burned. And when you play against someone who is technically, like, as proficient as Diani was, you need to have your left back basically have the game of her life. And that's exactly what happened with Dunn. I mean, frankly, there were a couple of moments where Diani cut it back in and France failed to capitalize. But, you you know, most of the time, you, like... The U.S. actually, and, and Dunn in particular, actually managed to shut it down. Now, just looking at the stats, though, France had 20 shots. The U.S. had 10. France had 61 possession. The U.S. had 39, right? 78 percent pass accuracy for France, 64% pass accuracy for the United States. By all accounts, this game was actually kind of against the run of play. Which is a fascinating yeah. thing to see from the United States, who have been so overwhelmingly good uh, and and so dominant.
1: Well, but you have to look at who they faced in the group stages too. You know, when you talk about dominating, because like the only real challenge that we had in group stages was Sweden, and even then they weren't, you know, that much as much of a challenge in the long run. That's you true. Know, we really we really didn't get tested until after we stepped into the round of 16
2: steps so into the elimination. And where they played Spain. And I think that's a good right. transition moment to talk a little bit about Real Madrid. Right? Yeah. Because Perfect. I think uh, in Didi particular... <laughs> what did you say? So can we get Danny we Armoso? That well, that's awesome. what I was going to say. I think I think one of the... And I've seen some links already. One of the clear-cut players that Madrid is going to go ahead and go get is going to be Jenny Erdmoso, whose contract with Atletico Madrid uh, is ending. And she has made it very clear that she wants to stay in Madrid and she would be a marquee and like like pound the table type signing for Real Madrid, announcing oh, yeah. themselves as a player to be, like a team to be feared. And I would note that uh, there are a couple other people whose contracts are, uh, and I I went through and looked at, you know, people whose contracts are, are uh, 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 ending, and especially because when you have a system where the best league in the world is in the United States and there's going to be fewer like buyout opportunities, so Madrid can't just go and buy, you know, Mallory Pugh or someone like.
1: Oh, that, I would love
2: they, that though. Oh, oh my god, I know. No, I mean, <laughs> actually, part of
1: that, part of that for me is that. Uh, Mal Pugh and Lindsay Horan are Colorado girls, so there's, a, there's like, extra personal bias on there because that would be even better for me.
2: Oh, hell yeah. I actually have uh, I have a Mal Pugh jersey. It just came today. Nice. Uh, I wear, so I wore it during the... It's really awesome. Yeah. All right. So... But the, the thing is that I think that um, our listeners are going to have to, like, recognize about um, the Real Madrid women's team is that it's not going to be quite as obvious that you can just go get players, even if like the kind of the quantities that we're talking about in terms of money are quite a bit less. Because the Americans, we have such a bias towards people completing their contracts. You actually have to wait until free agency. You don't go and buy out a contract like you would in in France. But there are a lot of people whose contracts are ending. Um, Alex Morgan, (laughs) her contract is up. Um, I think most importantly for me, uh, Ada Herberg <laughs> his, his contract is up Oh uh, my god, yes please <laughs> I know <laughs> So Ada Herberg for everyone um, Is the current Ballon d'Or winner <laughs> like She is Legitimately the best best player In the world She's not playing for Norway right. um, and So That is just And Jenny uh, is another kind of person Who has made, made it very clear That she would like to play uh, In madrid and stay in madrid and i think madrid or real madrid are very interested and want that kind of yep. you know hand on the table another person well,
1: and isn't jenny the current um leading scorer for
2: the right now she or is, is. nope she is uh, she so she was the uh uh leading scorer in the Spanish women's league last season. So, she is no she is first of all she was great in the World Cup, second of all, she is a proven club player. Another player who's proven arguably the greatest of all time despite her age has who has made it very clear she wants to play for Real Madrid is Marta. Now, Oh my
1: gosh. Marta like, oh,
2: Marta, I'm I think really is exactly the type of person Madrid would go get. The issue is that Marta oh, yeah. is quite old. And, like, not to, you know. I mean, I don't...
1: You say that, but I think she's younger than both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I
2: know she's just sure been around she been for a while. while.
1: She <laughs> has. I was, we were actually looking that up. Um, one of the first women's national team games I ever saw was here against Brazil, and it was her first year with the senior national team.
2: Damn. Yeah. Uh, and she is really good, and she is a very recognizable face. So, if we're talking about like, you know, uh, uh, building a brand and and building a prestige element for Madrid, she would be exactly the type of person Madrid would want to go get. Uh, and so like these are just the kind of this is the kind of cool like intro to what this season could be like. Now, my understanding is. And I'm I'm still like reading up on this, but my understanding is that next season, uh, while the team will be playing at Valdebebas, they won't technically be Real Madrid. I think they're still right. on for next year. So right, I'm not. My understanding. I'm not entirely sure what's up with that. I think, regardless, though, Madrid be, will be funding them and owning them, and. Uh, it'll still be a team that Madrid can like exercise control of in terms of personnel. Uh, right. And that's why I think it's important. And I mean, they just, they were just promoted. So it's important to not get relegated again. If Madrid is going oh right. to, uh, if Madrid is going to like really stay competitive in the women's league. So Madrid does really does have to invest in this right. in the team now, if they're going to make oh, a statement, when these guys are all wearing the uh, Madrid jersey, right. so it's important, I think, to see who's playing well at the World Cup and who might fit a kind of Real Madrid style. And that's yeah. why I was so impressed by—I gotta tell you—I was. I've been really impressed by the Spanish national team uh, playing what I think, what I see very much of as a kind of modern uh, Spanish style—a press and press and possess—is sort of the way I imagined it. And the, the way they played the U.S., I mean, I don't even think the French executed as strong a press against the U.S. No. national team as Spain did.
1: No, I feel like, um, and this is completely opposite of what I expected, but I feel like the, in a way the Spain game was a tougher win for the U.S. than the France game was. You know, I was expecting France to be our probably our toughest competitor, and, and going into this game, I felt like this should actually be the final matchup and not a quarterfinal matchup Um but with the way the game shook out, it just, like, it. I mean, it wasn't obviously super easy, but it felt like it was a lot sure. easier in some ways than
2: Absolutely. the game. Absolutely. I, yeah, I cannot agree more. Uh, I was really, yeah, I, I was, I was very impressed that despite the fact that it felt like the U.S. didn't have the possession, they actually did seem to be in control of the match generally. Yeah. Um Whereas with Spain, it actually did feel like that could have gone either way uh, for big yeah. chunks, but and you know, frankly, the second penalty was a little soft. I was gonna say it was a little soft. But you know, there was contact. Kind of there was said. contact. It absolutely was. It was the but like you know, it was yeah. a. The way I think that the way I describe it is that it was a. It was a kind of a big team penalty, like classic, yeah. like the big teams. You're gonna get that call. And well,
1: I. That's thought, kind of what we've been seeing refereeing wise throughout the cup though is that kind of I don't know if that one's just I don't know if that one's right you know yeah Spain and US is not the first time that's happened this World Cup
2: oh totally and I I also wonder whether there is and now this is like a kind of digression but like I wonder if there's like a bias not towards the big teams but that FIFA has said we're not going to call this as strictly as perhaps we should. I I actually feel like the referees have been doing a lot of kind of like let them play and not, I am frankly protecting the players in a way that I would want to, I, you know, with, with my team, like I want referees to make more calls because I don't want, you know, these kind of reckless challenges going in and injuring people. Like, I want to see more yellow cards. I want to see, you know, more of the, I mean, we want the teams that play technical football to be protected from the teams that, that just want to like dominate in terms of physicality. And I felt like the way that the tournament's been called has not really allowed for that. <laughs> that that's yeah, a hot I mean, take. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard some interesting points
1: about, you know, like, whether or not some of the refs are, are second guessing themselves, you know, because of what they're hearing from bar and things yeah. like that. Like, I don't know. It's a very interesting, interesting predicament for the referees, but I will yeah. tell you that I would take any one of these referees over the Ted uncles of the MLS. Oh gosh. MLS.
2: Oh my God. Yeah. And conquer yes. calf. <laughs> that, <laughs> That's my so <laughs> oh my gosh. True. Oh my gosh. know.
1: Women's team, right quick. I am floored at the money that is going into this because it's not a lot. Yeah. You know, there are reports that they've bought this team from anywhere from 300,000 to 500,000 euros. It's nothing. If you want to buy into MLS at this point, you have to show out $200 million. You have to have that upfront in order to have an expansion team from here on out. And so it's just kind of like it kills it, yeah. it, it it, me because we have guys playing on the Rapids that, you know, Tim Howard makes more money than all of what Real Madrid is probably going to be investing that they've reported so far.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So it's kind of like, it'll be interesting to see what they do from a money standpoint, because, you know, they talk about investing the 2 million euro and that's not a lot.
2: It's nothing for Real Madrid. It's nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they, if Real Madrid managed somehow to like, you know, not even like let's just say they invested the equivalent of what Gareth Bale makes in a year into the women's team they would have one of the best teams in the world hands down yeah hands down. <laughs> and what that's why i feel like it's a good thing for the big these big teams right to get involved in the women's game because they have so much money oh, yeah. uh, and it would be such a it's such a small chunk of revenue for real madrid to invest to be able to compete with The best female teams in the world, which right now, frankly, uh, is Barcelona is one of them, and so that has to be something that Madrid should be thinking about.
1: Oh yeah, well, and especially when you look at the numbers, like they're, um, I think they reported like more than a few sellout crowds for some of the Atletico Feminino
2: games last season. You know, and that's a lot of people coming out for a women's team. Yeah, and and that's a lot of money. Spain and Spain is ready. All this stupid sexist federation needs to do is invest a little bit of money and a little bit of effort and they could create and they could have a great team. I mean, look at Italy. It's the same idea. These kind of legacy European and South American federations, all they need to do is take this game just a even a tiny bit more seriously and they will be able to challenge for the World Cup. And if they actually invested a fair amount, they would be winning it. It's
1: exactly. Crazy. I definitely look forward to the day where we have the NWSL All-Star Game, um, which is the National Women's Soccer League here in the U.S., for those that don't know that, um, but I would love to see an NWSL All-Star Game versus, you know, Atleti versus Real Madrid versus...
2: Absolutely. The, the, Absolutely. The, or...
1: You know, Juve women or... What I've got now with MLS All
2: Stars playing like for. Right. Oh, wait. Right. I think you just went away through that entire sentence? No, I heard. I heard it. I heard it. Um, I mean, I, I frankly, I mean, if it were up to me, right now the NWSL is is the best <laughs> women's league in the world, and so what really should happen is they should send like the spirit to Spain to play the. Uh, Liga Iberdrola right. All-Stars instead, dead.
1: Or, or that, the Houston Dash. Yeah. Or I think it was uh, the North Carolina Courage that won last season. So maybe maybe we get the Courage
2: over there. Right, exactly. I mean, we shouldn't just assume that the European leagues are going to be better. Like, Well, but... yeah, that's true. Sorry. you
1: should better at this.
2: No, 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 no. It's It's fine. Um look, jess i I'm gonna cu- i'm gonna I'm gonna end the show there. This is just a preview though. We're gonna be doing our um, uh, we're gonna be covering the the Real Madrid women's team together, and I look forward to doing more coverage of the the women's World Cup as it goes forward. Um, the u s is gonna play England in the semifinals, and that's gonna be a hell of a game because England look real good. Um, oh, yeah. and uh, everyone should be following because it's gonna be really fun. Jess Howan, thank you so much. Um, Thanks for calling me from your car. um, And uh, a la Madrid.
1: Podcast Network.